I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and you are so fucking fired. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and I like music. It's my favorite thing. Ooh, that was what I almost did! <laughs> well, honestly... I almost did it, and I changed it at the last second. I was like, well, I'm just, yeah. I was like, will he get it? Will he remember that line? But of course. Oh, my God. I mean, I was predicting that you were going to do... And then my, my backup was, um, I'm old. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, yes and yes. Yes and, and yes. <laughs> Whether or not I'm quoting Rosie is a whole different matter. Um, Ugh, Marion. So we are... <laughs> If if this first uh, minute of chaos is any indication, we are for some reason covering the evening star today. <laughs> I mean, in your defense and our defense, I did think this was a good idea. It's a great cast, but it's just a slog for the first hour and 15 minutes. And then you get some kitchen acting and some talking through tears. And then Jack Nicholson comes in. Like I said to you in the text, I feel like he was held at gunpoint to make this movie. I just feel like he could not give a shit. Oh, he, and, and was stoned yeah. the whole time. I mean, or yes, or yes. on something. He had like uh, he had some some very dilated pupils. Let's just say, allegedly. You know, yeah. Do not write allegedly. me letters. But you know the reason because this came up in conversation. I think. Probably when we did the first Wives Club, because it's written and directed by the same person yeah. who uh, wrote uh, Steel Magnolias and Robert Harling. Robert Har yes. Harling. I mean, he's trying to be a queen. He's contributed a lot to this podcast, you know. And yes, he, has. he wrote the screenplay and directed The Evening Star. And I this was this was something as a young gay, as a young gay with HBO slash TNT. This was a movie that. Was it? I don't know. I just when I think of I, when I think of the Evening Star, I think of being like twelve and like watching this in the family room on TNT on a Saturday while my mom is like upstairs folding laundry, you know, and not really mm -hmm. getting all of it, but like getting the getting the 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 kitchen acting in a way, you know. Yeah, I feel like it exists in the same way for me, too. I don't, I mean, I, I could not even tell you what happened in this movie before I rewatched it. I, I just knew that someone died and there are ashes at the end. <laughs> and like, there's a car on the beach. And I watched the trailer again. I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember this. So a lot of it was just like, I remember this. I remember that. It's very much like a vibe, as the kids say, or don't say. I don't know who says what anymore. But I... I, I think it was just the pacing. I remember I was I was sitting in bed watching this and just I thought like three hours had gone by and it was like 25 minutes. <laughs> I was like, I can't only be halfway through this movie. Yeah, I just and I wanted to love it. And it's I mean, th but there's some stuff. There's some good stuff. There's some nuggets here. Don't don't you worry, gen gentle listeners. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. Right. No, there's you know, I'll say like I had a similar experience of like, oh, this movie, you know, which is a you know clocks in a little over two hours, which is fine if it's if that's an interesting two hours. It it moves at a very deliberate pace, and it it doesn't really have any driving tension. It's really a sort of well, I guess we needed a sequel to Terms of Endearment, and it's following Shirley MacLaine's character Aurora uh, in the late eighties after uh, spoiler alert, her daughter Emma dies at the end of Terms of Endearment. Which, by yes. the way, have you seen Terms of Endearment? 
I have, but it has been a long time. And it made me want to go back and watch that because I know that I, I remember loving it. Yeah, I feel like that's a, I, I know parts of that. Like, I know that I've seen the ending of that like four times, but then there's other parts yeah. I've never seen. We should have did that instead, <laughs> but that's okay. I know, I know. I don't know why. I guess when I think of that, it's like, I think that was the movie Shirley yes. MacLaine won an Oscar for, and I think Deborah Winger yes. was also nominated. So it was like, well, is there really like, are, is there a BSA? Like, oh, there's Jeff Daniels. That's true. We love that's Jeff true. Daniels. So we love Jeff. Yeah. But the Evening Star is the sequel that's following Aurora many years later, after Emma's three children have grown up, and they're each a mess, and she's still living not, not far away from Emma's best friend Patsy, now played by alum of the podcast Miranda Richardson. From yes, I believe just the Miranda. hours. I don't know if she's been in anything else we've talked about. Yeah, that's that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, but it's like there isn't. We're just kind of seeing what's happening in their st- stage of their life, and it kind of feels like little. There's little vignettes. There's you know, uh, you know, Aurora starts seeing this social worker uh, played by Bill Paxton. Uh, which Ooh, delicious talk about things that were uh that were nuggets <clears throat> he was definitely a yes uh i mean when he first showed up in the movie i was like bill paxton more like bill slaxton look at those pants <laughs> i mean he is the 90s are alive in bill paxton's wardrobe in this movie yeah he looked great yeah yeah he was i mean oh bill paxton like how do we get more of him on this podcast so he can become a queen you know I know. Rest in peace. Died right? in 2017. Isn't that crazy? Right? Sometimes I forget about that. I know. Um, I did a little, this is like a slight tangent about Bill, not necessarily about Bill Paxton, but I was really, I like doing this for other episodes too, like who in Hollywood in 2022 is also 41, which is the same age that Bill Paxton was when he filmed this movie. And especially like, mm. um, you know, and who also is around 63 years old right now in 2022 that could have played like Aurora. It's kind of like, you know, fantasy casting. Yeah. It's just like, uh, you know, who would maybe do this? So the, so the men, I found three delicious men. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is 41. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling is 41. Uh-huh. Channing Tatum is also 41. Wow. Just to give you an idea of who that would be. Isn't that crazy? It's not. I mean, it's like when we talk about women in their 50s, and it's like, well, there's Sandra Bullock. And it's like, what? Oh. I know. I don't know what 50 looks like anymore. And 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 so and so Aurora is supposed to be, what, 60? You say 60? 63 is how old Shirley MacLaine was when oh, she filmed this. Okay. So, yeah. So And that's, yeah, these are just the ages of both Bill Paxton and Shirley Got MacLaine it. when they filmed it. So, yeah. So, I, I'm pretty sure this is probably around 63. I think I was on one of those, you know how those websites are. They're like stars that are 63 and there's just like ads for like how to lose, like these crazy pills that look like caterpillars. Right, you know what right, I mean? And I'm course. like, what is this? Yeah. Um, but um, this is a great list of ladies. So we have Emma Thompson. Oh. We have Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, Angela Bassett, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh-huh. and even Annette Benning. I would love to see Annette in this role, like with a Ryan Gosling type. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. What do I do now that what do I do? Melody's left? Yeah. What do I do? Where do I go? Um, I love it. Well, so, you know, what that yeah, makes, that's just a quick tangent. Yeah. What that makes ahead. me think of is there is a movie that we should do. I think we talked about at some point, probably on The American President, but there's that movie film stars don't die in Liverpool or do die in Liverpool, but it's Annette Benning, and she's like having an affair with a younger man. It's like a true, and there's like Julie Walter, I think is in it as like a supporting actress. Uh, anyway, I feel like the reason I bring that up is because it's Annette Benning with a younger man. So if you are, uh, Ooh, oh, it's Annette okay. Benning and Jamie Bell, if you, if you know him. I don't know who Jamie Bell is. Well, I, did he, did he play uh, what's his snakes? The guy who does the dancing in the in the coal mine, Billy Elliot. Did he play Jimmy Elliot? Jimmy <laughs> Elliot. Jimmy Elliot. Is he Jimmy Elliot? <laughs> Billy. Good old Jimmy. Yes, Elliott. he was. What's his... He was Billy. <laughs> what's his name? Jamie Bell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Actor Billy Elliot. I don't know who this man is. Well, but um, you know he's a BAFTA winner. There we go. He's a BAFTA winner. But anyway, I feel like this movie has a BSA with Julie Walters. It's got Annette Benning as Gloria Graham, which I love. And she's canoodling with a younger man. So what more do you want? What's, yeah. Also, and maybe we've talked about this or maybe you've seen it and didn't really love it. Have you seen 20th Century Women? 
No, that's one of those movies that it, I'm like, on paper, I should want to see this. But then when I go to yeah. like think about going to like hit play, I'm like, why do I not want to sit through this? And I don't know why. Who's in it that I don't want to sit through? Is it who's the girl? I know. In it? Why do um, I? Th- well, Annette Benning is in well, it. I, yeah, Annette Benning is in it. Elle Fanning is in it. Who I actually hear is great in the movie. Greta Gerwig is in it. Billy Crudup, who we love. Um, the reason why I bring it up too. So, uh, Aaliyah Shawkat's in it as well. I'm just scrolling real quick here. Um. Listeners chime in because I feel like either this is like a golden nugget that both Colin and I have just, you know, for whatever reason, skipped over. But I do feel the reason why it's like in my head is I there's a a TikTok guy that I really like that does like movie countdowns and he's straight. And I think I mentioned him before, too. uh, I think his name is Joe Cinema Joe. Um, But he loves 20th century women. And I, I don't know. I trust some of most of his judgment, so I'm, I'm curious. So that's you know putting it out there, listeners. Have you, uh, Costa? Have you seen it? <laughs> I'm like, right, the Costa. Who do we know sees <laughs> things sure. that we talk about? Well, it's got a bunch of ladies in it, so maybe it's a BSA movie. It does have. Oh, what a gift! Let's make sure it's the same one. It does have an actress who I, I don't want to say I love to hate her, but I kind of do. Uh, Taya Gill who you may know as one of the Who's lesbians that? in Queer as Folk, but also plays the wife in a terrible gay movie called Mulligans that is to be seen, oh. to be believed. It's so bad. Anyway, I would, I, maybe that's why I'm resisting 20th century women is because I can smell the Taya in it and I don't want it. <laughs> I just don't. And I just don't. Kai. Well, back to the back evening to star. Back to the evening star. So, you know... <laughs> Here's the thing. We were like, oh, my God, this is, yes, this is a slog. But then by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, wow, I took a lot of notes. And so maybe we should just dive in and talk about a few treat things yeah. about the, the Evening Star. So 1996, we are staying in a very sweet little spot. We are. Uh, it's, been, it's been a month of the 90s, which I really love. Um, I don't know why I think this or why I know this, but there's something about Reicher Entertainment that is so profoundly 90s. Does that, like, does that resonate? Maybe I'm getting it confused with something. I, I don't know why I'm thinking of, like, Amblin Entertainment. Is that, like, the E.T. one where That's he, like, the rides E.T. across? One. Yep. Yeah. Um, you, did you uh, spell it for me? R-Y-S-H-E-R. It's more of, like, you know, they have right. the little the little logo at the beginning. You know why, sure, you know yeah. why I'm probably thinking of this? I feel like... You know, you have that information in your head where you're like, well, I shouldn't have no need to know this, but I do. I feel like there's maybe met multiple Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movies that are there we a go. product of Reicher Entertainment and I, or shows. And I think I just associate it with like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen in the 90s. You know what? It Takes Two might be Reicher Entertainment. <gasps> oh, Mr. Gutenberg. Man, maybe, maybe that's our next movie. Maybe we do It Takes Two next week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's just keep it keep it going. Keep I mean, going. I'm all for a '90s flashback summer, really. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's more Philip Bosco, who is a queen, so we kind of oh, have to, you know. Queen Philip, I I love this. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah. Okay, it's a contender. It's a contender. Now, in the Evening Star, if there was a BSA, it is probably Marion Ross as Rosie, uh, Aurora's longtime maid and friend. I was just so excited to remember she was in this movie. I think she is perfect. I really do think she should have been nominated for this. And it might have just been, I don't know, my emo- maybe I was just so starved for a BSA that I, I'm, I'm lifting her up higher than I should. But that kitchen scene was just so... It gave me everything I wanted. And I feel like with the stuff that she was given within that first hour, she really made it work. Well, um, you, I, yeah, you could almost it. say that the performance is a bit globesy because she did get a <gasps> Golden Globe nomination for oh, Best Supporting good. Actress. Yes. So Thank God. I Thank hear God. you. I And I just thought, oh, that's all I needed. It didn't even have to be an Oscar. Just give her a Globe nod. You know? Come on. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. 
she is the you know the shining star pun intended of mm. the movie too i just i just think there's i remember when i watched or watched it the other day i was like oh yeah something happens here i feel and then the kitchen scene happened and i was great i just her and arthur i love that she gets to say arthur because that's <laughs> that's um the fonz's real name oh yeah and happy day she's like oh arthur i feel like liz lemon does that impression in 30 rock but she sounds so good saying Arthur. It's just such a great name for her. Yeah, <laughs> I feel the same way about how Shirley MacLaine says the name Melanie. I feel like Melanie brings out the best of Shirley MacLaine's voice. Oh, Melanie! Like, the way she hits the M's and the L's is just, like, you get all the lilt of Shirley MacLaine. And I feel like Marion Ross has this, like, oh, Arthur. Like, she has this sort of stout way of saying things. And so, yes, uh, you know, it, it's worth a Google image search. But I don't think this is intentional, but Marion Ross in this movie looks very much like Agnes Moorhead in Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. It's worth looking at who also plays oh. a maid. And so, okay, Agnes Moorhead, I'm looking at, yeah. I, I know everyone's booing me right now because I haven't no, seen it. No, I didn't, and I, this is kind of a deeper cut, but it's, it, she, and who was nominated for an Oscar, so this is relevant, folks. She's nominated for a BSA, Agnes Moorhead in Hush, oh, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Right? Yes. It's so similar. So, um, she is, I mean, I really, I really loved her in this movie. I really love her little love story with alum of the podcast, Ben Johnson, in his final film role. Do you remember where we yes. last saw Ben? I'm going to get this wrong. If I get this right, I don't know how I pulled you this You know this because but... you said this in the past. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. You know this. Oh, I don't now. Now I'm second guessing Oh, no, no, no. Myself. Don't second guess. Go for it. Okay, I I know this is not right, but was he the guy who won? Oh God, was he the guy who won the Oscar for the Last Picture Show? Ding 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 ding! Yeah, I knew you okay. knew it. Okay, okay, yeah. oh, I was I was very nervous there. Yeah, because I remember there was another episode where he came up for some reason. You're like, oh yeah, he was in the Last Picture Show, and I was like, oh right, and so oh good. Yeah, this was uh, th that was your Slumdog Millionaire moment. That was great. There we go. There we go. Um, so. Yes, she is indeed. She has her love story with Ben Johnson, and she has, I mean, the movie towards the end is just rich with kitchen scenes. But, um, yeah, when she tells Aurora towards the end that, that Arthur wants to marry her, and, she and you know, she's had a whole life of, of seeing Aurora being loved by men and being told they love her, and she's like, no one's ever told me that I, they love me. And, you know, imagine how that would feel, and you know. And Arthur loves me, Ugh. you know, and it was, it was really... Ugh. Just as I am. Just as I, just, I am. Like, I, my heart, and even her, I mean, it, it kind of started maybe earlier than this when she's slamming that um, garbage can lid down uh -huh. and just crying and falling into Arthur's arms. I'm like, yes, right? this is what we need. This is what we, yeah, yeah. And there was like a real, I felt like of, of the, there was a lot in this movie that you kind of just watch happen. Like Aurora and, and Jack or whatever the... Um, you know, Bill Paxton, you kind of watch that all play out, but there's no like emotional connection to it. And I felt like this little subplot, it was like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is the meat of the movie at some points. Yeah. I mean, just like a couple one-liners that I really loved, like when she's talking to Jack at Hector, is it Hector? Yeah. Hector's mm -hmm. funeral. And she just looks at him and she's like, there is something very wrong with you. The way that she just kind of, that's all she says. Mm -hmm. And like, there is something wrong. We'll get to Jerry, even though we love Bill. Um, and then, oh, but I, I just love at the end of the kitchen scene, whenever she like sort of tells um, Aurora that she's done she's like besides I'll be next door like it's mm -hmm. just like oh don't get too emotional like I'm only moving you know it's just perfect and it made me laugh out loud it's very uh, Catherine Hepburn in uh, on Golden Pond the old poop like it's very that kind of yeah. tone you know um, yes and you know and then of course I mean it wouldn't be a real true you know veteran actress BSA performance in a soap opera kind of movie from the 90s if she didn't die uh but I know. Oh, the, and that we had talked about this. It's like I think all of my fond memories of this movie are wrapped up in that montage of after Aurora goes to pick her up at, at Arthur's house and carries her in the rain. And there's that great line where she says, oh, the rain, it feels nice. The rain feels nice. And Aurora's like, yeah, I thought you'd like it. Then there's that whole montage of them caring for for Rosie and. And this is like, again, we talked about this with Clueless. There are things that I saw at a younger age that are just imprinted in my mind. And the pills scene 
is imprinted oh on my, my mind. god and so there's a, this yeah. whole montage which is set to the music which we'll talk about the music oh the music, the music. some things i remembered correctly and there's one scene where she's, you know, she's taking some pills out of one bottle in the kitchen and then she's closing that one and then she goes to open the other bottle and then um, I think it's uh, one of the Teddy or the other one comes home with his wife and uh, and spooks her and she, the bottle goes flying and the pills go flying everywhere and then she, you know, bursts into tears and it's like what always stuck with me was that even though it's like a mu- uh, a montage set to music, you still hear her crying and it's like this really yeah. guttural crying, and it's really it's it, it, that always stuck with me. It was like, God, oh, that's this is uncomfortable, you know? Yes, I just um, I knew where we were going with that too, but I was like the the way that like the pills just exploded everywhere. I just felt like something, you know, like it's very much like it's it's the same energy as Meryl with that sink in the hours uh-huh. that just like sets her off and then she like loses it. Like, you know, the pill thing could have worked. I just, I, I don't know. We needed some pill choreography there, the way she opened it. And then it's like, she almost like threw it in the air on purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But other than that, what do you think was a, a broader moment? Aurora throwing the pills or Aurora having a stroke? <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I, I, <laughs> I it's funny the way you feel about the pills is the way I feel about the stroke. I bought the stroke. Really? I, I, okay. I did. Yeah, there was something that I was like okay, I see where you're going. Yeah, I I I can see both sides of the coin for sure, but I was I mean, she does like really lean back there. Um yeah, the but hands I to the head I don't and the wide eyes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um it's better than like Wendy Williams dressed as like the Statue of Liberty, you know what I mean? But Ugh. it's not it's not as bad as that, I'd say. No, that really sets the bar very low. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also Juliette Lewis in this movie playing Melanie. There is. Now, have we ever talked about her on this podcast other than queening out about yellow jackets occasionally? I know he's put you on the spot with this, but I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have. I am a big fan of hers. Uh, primarily from Hysterical Blindness, which is like impossible to find, but it is one of my favorite movies. And she and Uma Thurman played like perfect Jersey girls from the late 80s. I feel like it's Juliette Lewis in her like most perfectly cast role. It's classic BSA. If I could track down like a, a sh- like a copy that we could share with people to watch and you could yeah. watch it, I'm telling you, oh, I love that movie so much. And it's directed by the same woman who did Monsoon Wedding. So it has some of the, a similar kind of oh, aesthetic. Oh, yes. Yeah. Except okay. it's Bayonne, New Jersey in 1987. It's incredible. Ugh, a dream. Uh, so what did you think of Juliette Lewis as uh, grown me- Melanie? I don't know. I, it's not that I... I didn't love her, but I didn't not like her, I guess. She's just somewhere in the middle. There's something about the way that she was written that was just like, okay, we get it. You're the defiant... Mm-hmm. Like yeah, uh, eighteen, nineteen year old, and and I was like, oh, I want you to do something. I want you to just grow up, and eventually she does too. But then, when we get her in those later scenes, she doesn't have as much dialogue. Uh, she, you know, really, like she gets yeah, yeah, yeah. She really kind of disappears from the movie a bit towards the end. Like she pops up for Rosie's funeral, and then yeah, other but other than that, we don't yeah. really see her um, after that trip to see her in the sitcom because she eventually becomes a sitcom actress, which. I know, yeah. which is wild. Go figure. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think it, she it, Melanie's a bit of a broad role. What I like about her and what I like about the casting is like the ways in which she is reminiscent of Deborah Winger in terms of endearment. And I think if they leaned into that more of the moments, like if they found ways in which she was, speaking of Yellow Jackets, right, where there are mm-hmm. flashbacks where there's somebody who is very much playing the younger version of an older, you know, self in the in the present time um i couldn't find a more complicated way of explaining that um i feel like (laughs) they could have done the same thing of like the ways in which melanie is like emma it seemed like they were relying on a lot of like pictures of deborah winger from the movie instead of kind of like kind of showing moments in which she really is like you know the spitting image and the clone of her mother 
Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of Melanie just, she was just so like hysterical teenager so much at the beginning too. And I was like, is there a world where it could have just been Aurora and Melanie? It would have been terms of endearment too, like identical, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just kind of continue. I mean, I will say like the best part of the movie between, you know, my favorite Juliette Lewis moment is when she finally calls Aurora when she's oh, at her lowest. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful scene. I love the way that Shirley MacLaine says Melly and just yeah it was it was really sweet that was one of my favorite moments yeah when when she answers the phone it's like oh melanie and then at the end of the phone when when aurora puts the phone against her mouth did you notice that little gesture after they no, hang up I didn't. she like puts she kind of like taps the top of the receiver against your mouth it's this it's this it's this thing that somebody does this like pondering kind of moment like hmm. yeah it was great i just like what a little gesture but yeah i think that the way eventually the way that they kind of came together again was really nice. And I, I enjoyed seeing yes. adult Melanie probably more because I saw her as like petulant, you know, irresponsible Melanie. Uh, though I can't be that mad at Melanie because if we didn't have Melanie, we wouldn't have Bruce. Oh, one more thing about Melanie too. I think I would have, I can't wait to talk about Bruce. <laughs> um, one thing that it's like you hire Juliette Lewis for that deadpan that she's like so well known for. I feel like when she has to like be forced to like be whiny or be like sort of yelling, like I don't mind when she screams, but I'd rather have like a roar from her as opposed to like get off my back, granny, the way uh-huh. that she likes. Like, I just wish she was a little bit more like more like eye roll and less like. Die. I don't know. That that's my final thought with Melanie before we move on to Bruce. Yeah, Melanie kind of when she yells, it's kind of like she's got braces and she's got like the rubber bands and she can only open her jaw so much. So it's like, God, Granny. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of great. But I love Juliet. We love her, and we love Bruce, and we love Bruce played by Scott Wolf. Yeah, I think I I don't know where this falls in the timeline with the party of party of five, which I never watched, but I uh, neither have I. Yeah, at least you know visually, he is certainly in his prime and is such a root, like early, like oh, I'm a young gay. Yes, because Bruce. Yes, our first the first time we see him is when Aurora comes home and Melanie and Bruce are, uh, you know. Uh, knocking boots upstairs in Melanie's room, and he st- and I remember this from like the trailer because I feel like they they definitely I this was a scene I saw many times, and he is standing there holding like a stuffed dog or something in front of his crotch, and then he like tosses it at her, and then we unfortunately don't see anything, but we see her kind of look down at his crotch, and when you're like twelve watching this movie in the family room while your mother's upstairs folding laundry, that's enough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I mean, I don't love the mullet slash mustache version of Bruce, but once he sort of cleans up a little bit, yeah, he's he's so Marky Mark. He is so Marky Mark because he does because there, there's some turmoil in the relationship and then he wants to turn the beat around. He gets a haircut. He shaves. And he and Melanie head off to L.A. so he can become an, uh, a model slash actor. And this is where we also get the briefest of butt shots, you know, for anyone at yes, home who's, yes. you know, looking for the moments. I don't have the timestamp, but he's getting out of bed and like it's it's I mean, again, when you're twelve, family room, I'm upstairs, it's enough to just see like fifteen percent butt crack and then he pulls up the tidy whiteies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's hot. He kind of there's a little bit of like he's got the Marky Mark vibe, like at least with the bod. But there's also like a Michael J. Fox vibe about him. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like young Michael J. Fox. Uh, I'm into it. I I'm I'm definitely into that. I feel like because now I'm thinking about like Rob Lowe and Parks and Rec. I feel like Scott Wolf. I, I mean, I think Scott Wolf's still working. He's doing stuff now. But I feel like he could have also played that character in Parks and Rec. Oh wow, what a choice! I, I would I I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, like what was the, does he still act? I'm sure he does. He does. He's mark. on some show. Some you know. Okay. I I 
save lives in an ambulance. Let's see. There you know, we are. Give Scott yeah. Wolf his roses. Ladder 49 there or it something is. like that. Yeah, and he was in Nancy Drew. I think he played her father. He was in The Night Shift for a couple of years. Yeah, he's, he's okay. you know. Uh, he's working. It's he's still working. Yeah, he's bad. Hopefully he's still, you know, maybe getting some residuals on that uh, Party of Five money, you know? Oh, yeah. That was a big show. It was a big show. Big deal. Um, and he was in eight episodes <laughs> of Saved by the Bell, but I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. Oh, he just, he was not a main, he just played like bit parts. He played a waiter at the Max. He played a movie patron. He really, he earned his time before he okay. finally, you know, let's see. What did he get into? Oh, I think Double Dragon was his first like real, you know, I never saw that. That was like a movie that boys would go Neither to see for their, for their birthday parties at the movie theater, you know? <laughs> yes, I remember those Double Dragon, yeah. Um Anyway, so yes, we do get at least a little bit of Scott Wolf and his um, his howling cheeks, you know. But there we go. I I feel like in my memory, and I I knew that he wasn't. But I speaking of hot guys, I was so sure that Paul Rudd played Tommy, <laughs> a very Paul Rudd type. And I this is like my core memory. I remember all of the prison visits. I remember him throwing the brownies. No parole. And- no parole. Yes. <laughs> Throwing brownies in the garbage? Are you kidding it's me? It's crazy. And I do love that monologue that she eventually gives him that, like, this is a recipe. You know, I perfected it. And if you're going to throw them away, at least wait till I leave. She's so patient with him. and I. But I just remember him that, like, sort of, he looks like he's wearing, like, guy liner. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. The eyes really pop. But, yeah, a Paul Rudd type, for uh, sure. Mm-hmm. A Paul Rudd type. Uh and in he plays uh, Tommy, the oldest son, who's in prison, I think, for drugs or something like that. Probably weed, you know, back in the day. Weed. Good, yeah. Grass. Grass. <laughs> he had a bag of grass in his car. And, uh, and yeah, and, and it's, you know, yeah, a lot of, you know, contentious visits at prison. And then in the, thir- in the final act of the movie, he gets out of prison, reconnects with Aurora, meets a lovely woman, eventually has a kid who gives us... That final line in the movie that, you know, oh my God. what a what a landing this movie did not stick with that line. No, absolutely not. What was it again? It's like, I like music. It's my favorite thing. Like, uh-huh. I like it's, music. It's my favorite thing. It, it's yeah. It's and the kids, the boy they got. That's Come who on. they got. And I was like, I, I, I meant to look up. I was like, is this like Shirley MacLaine's grandson? And I was like, no, we need to give him a part in this. He's my grandson, you know? Yeah, um, something like that. But it's yeah, for anyone who's wondering, at the very end of the movie, Tommy is sitting there with with his son Henry, who Aurora has taught how to play piano over many uh, like four or five years that passed in the span of four minutes in this movie towards the end. Like we we spend so much time in the years between nineteen eighty eight and nineteen ninety, and then it's like Photo, you know, photo album from 1991, done. 92, done. 93, done. Now she's old, 94. You know, like it, it flies to the yeah. finish line. But then at the very end, he's, you know, whatever age he is, and he's sitting there and he looks like, he looks like just this grumpy cat who's like, oh, don't touch me. And then George's, or what's his name, Teddy's like, oh, wow, you're really, um, you're doing, really doing a great job there. Grandma would be really proud. And then he's like, I like music. It's my favorite thing. And you know what the weirdest thing is? The kid is playing the theme music from the movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so He's like, like, all right, once more. And then like, a, like the strings come in. I'm like, what's right? happening? And it's the weirdest transition, right? Because then the strings come in. You're like, oh, this is not working. Because um, it, it just because he's just played a piano. You know, he doesn't have any strings. It's but listen, that score. Am I alone on this? Is that not beautiful? It's a great score. And honestly, like a lot of the themes, I don't remember, even though I watched this, like, I think I finished it yesterday. Um, nothing stuck out to me. But again, if we're just going along with our sort of scores of the 90s template, like, yeah, it fits perfectly in there. I mean, I still go back to that. I'm, I walk around the house when I'm really busy. I'm like, dun da da dun da dun da dun da dun da dun da when I'm just like shuffling papers, you know right? what I mean, from First Wives Club. Ugh, yes. But um, this but, one is, this is worth, I mean, warning, it's going to be the music that plays us off this episode. It's ooh, Mr. Absolutely. William Ross yes. with this score. It's so, it's one of my favorites. And I'll always, like, it's such a great, 
like it just comes in swinging and there's like these different great little moments where it like the music just comes in is like you're gonna cry bitch and i just i'm all here for the manipulation yeah of course you gotta get us somehow but um a great score indeed uh my favorite moment when it comes in or when it really like got me was when teddy and melanie are talking about how like I think it's it's at her going away party, and she's saying, looking at pictures, and she's like, "Oh, you're so lucky that you can remember things, and like, what was what was mom like?" And he's like, "Well, you know, there were a lot of hugs and a lot of laughs, and then, you know, she's like, oh, I just I wish I could remember.'" And then he like asks her to stand up, and then he's and then he gives her a hug, and then you know, and then mm-hmm. the music just you know it just da na 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 just like comes to, and like oh god, and then it tells her to laugh. And he's like there, there it is, and and it's little moments like that because the music also plays during the uh, Rosie's dying montage with the flying yes. pills. I mean, that's where it gets me. Yes, I yes, yes. just like I'm a sucker for it. I, this score always gets me right in the gut. It's so good. Hmm. Anyway, I, when we talked about Bruce before, we did not talk about uh, the Ferrari that he uh, borrows from, quote-unquote, Tony, his friend. And there is something so indelible and hot and smarmy about the fact that he drives that Ferrari. Yeah. Like, I usually don't care about cars, but it just, especially once he cleans up a little bit, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, he's made for it. Um. Oh, here's a funny note that I took uh, kind of speaking of I'm jumping around a little bit, but speaking of Melanie, uh, this is, you know, speaking of cars here, I knew I could tie it together. They're talking about a scene where she's driving the Ferrari. Oh, God, full circle. So here is a crazy connection. And it's only crazy because one reminds me of the other. So Julie, there's a scene after Juliet Lewis finds Bruce hooking up with Tony. Turns out it's Tony with an eye and two boobies. And she flees the house in Tony's Ferrari, and she drives away crying. And it reminds me of Anne Hathaway driving and crying and Rachel getting married. <gasps> oh, yeah. And then there's the funny connection that in Rachel getting married, the mother was played by Deborah Winger. And Deborah Winger oh. technically played the mother of <gasps> Juliet Lewis. Oh, my gosh. How do you like that? I love that. Right? So I just thought that was a that was a fun little connection. But anyway, you know, uh, we haven't talked about Miss Patsy, you know, and and I don't hate Patsy. I love Patsy. Patsy's family. This is for Patsy. (laughs) Yes, I feel like she is the Clary to, um, you know, uh, to, oh my goodness, my brain just turned off, to Shirley MacLaine's Weezer. You know what I mean? Like, I feel that Shirley MacLaine works best when she has this sort of like foil character or someone that she can spar with that's what i want to see so i'm i'm so glad that she's in this movie i thought she had a a lot of great moments that's an interesting idea that is that like yeah yeah, that shirley mclean does well when she has a sparring partner in a movie because i feel like there's a couple movies like that like the turning point with ann bancroft there's a big infamous famous iconic fight scene that they they have there's obviously there's uh, uh steel magnolias there's with patsy yeah. evening star she's mm-hmm. contentious with with deborah winger in terms of endearment yeah okay i like this idea that, yeah you know she i feel like she has a couple of fights in inner shoes you know i feel like sure <laughs> yeah. yeah um something to chart does shirley mclean like to fight <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. Curmudgeon Shirley MacLaine is a lot more fun to watch because, like, and maybe that's what I was missing during like the like the the true middle of this movie is once Melanie left, it's like she didn't have anyone to fight with, and Patsy was kind of around, and she's mm-hmm. just kind of like, I don't know, fucking Bill Paxton. Well, we got to talk about Bill too. I'll put that on the list here. But yeah, back to Patsy. Yeah, and I think that kind of that's a good point is that, you know, the the tension with Patsy is that and we're more told this and this is the challenge that we're told that, you know, Patsy wanted to raise the kids, but Aurora insisted that she raise them. And so Patsy felt like, you know, she I guess the idea was that Patsy was always meddling and trying to be involved because she wanted to, you know, raise those kids. And so Aurora has always kind of considered her a pest. But, you know. I don't remember what the Patsy Aurora relationship was like. I mean, I didn't, I don't know because I didn't watch it in terms of endearment, but it I mm-hmm. don't know if this is consistent. I don't know if they hated each other in the first movie too. But yeah, it's been so long. I don't remember either. And I'm sure there are people 
yelling at their phones. But uh, yeah, people you know, who are like, I don't know, I didn't see the us. Evening Star. Why are you doing an episode on the Evening <laughs> Star? Know, yeah. yeah, why don't I didn't I see know. this movie? Yeah. Um, but she is. I mean, I, I, am I crazy? So I have, I have had. Okay, is there a line in this movie? Does Patsy ever say the line, you're my touchstone, Aurora? Because if not, I've been just saying that for like the last 20 years. That, it's weird that what, like, even when you said that, I feel like, like immediately I was like, yes, no. I I don't know why that sounds familiar. It, I mean, it feels like something she would have said, like, as Aurora gets older you yeah, know what I mean? I'm but like, I don't know, or maybe it's something in passing, but it feels like some sort of, you know, the atonement at the end when she's, you know, apologizes to her. I don't know. Um, oh, you know, maybe maybe it's in terms of endearment. Ooh. Uh, yeah, you're my touchstone, Emma. She says it to. It's in terms of endearment, and here I here oh. I've been just wanting to believe that it's Patsy in the Evening Star, the one I did see saying, you're my touchstone, Aurora. Like I said that to Marco just in passing. Like, oh, you're my touchstone, Aurora. So I feel <laughs> I like... I say keep it. I'm going to keep I'd it. I say keep it. Yeah, I feel, I'm going to say, oh, I'll say no, it's a line from the Evening Star. Yeah, no one's seen it. It's fine. Trust me. <laughs> Marco. Oh, he is my Marco touchstone. Just rolls his eyes. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, whatever. Um, he says, don't you have a real cup? <laughs> That's what Aurora says. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I do love that. Yeah. Yes, don't you have a real cup? Don't you have a real cup? I- I do remember this, like, I was like, I felt that Patsy and Aurora had, like, a physical fight, and eventually we got it on the airplane, which, to be honest, I loved. I was like, yes. I was like, I wish this would have went on for, like, two more minutes. Like, as soon as, what was it like when, after Aurora, like, spills coffee or something on Patsy, Patsy goes into the back room and grabs, like, this, like, silver pitcher? I was like, yes. And then it cuts. I was like, oh. I know. It was, and, and first of all, like, there is nothing more 90s than being on a continental airline. Lions flight. Like, yes. Oh, I love that. And then um yeah, I mean they, they have this confrontation where I I love the uh, the line delivery where Shirley McLean is like, you know, I just want something where you're not there either stealing it or spoiling it. Like she does this like she, she mm-hmm. goes down and uh yeah, and then they they get into this yeah, this very 90s fighting on a plane. It's like it's very pre-911. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, they are really, I mean, (laughs) they let them fight. No one comes up to them and tries to say, like, okay, ladies, you need to take your seats now. Right, right. Uh, But it was great. No one saran wraps them into a chair, which is, you know, what they do now. So (laughs) Yes. And I'll say, like, because is she she originally born in the UK? Why do I think she has, like, an accent? Yeah, yeah. Miranda Richardson's British, yeah. Yeah, so, and I, I, I just really liked her dialect work. It didn't sound cartoony. Um, cause there it's, I feel like even her and Marion Ross had this like Southern lilt. I don't know mm-hmm. where this takes place. This movie. Houston. Um, oh, it does take place in Houston. Yes. Okay. I'm just interested why like Aurora never had that dialect. I feel like she would anyway. Um, but I, I, I bought it. I love a lot of uh, almost everything that Miranda Richardson wears in this movie. And I love, like, the banter at the end when Aurora is, like, you know, she's going to be passing away soon. We all know this. And Patsy just sort of says, you know, like, I was prettier, younger, and richer, but you had everything I ever wanted, and I hated that, and it's very pretty. But I do love the sort of, like, light jabs, you know, when Aurora's like, why don't you, why are you always here, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I want to stay. And it's and then she says, "I love seeing you like this." Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like brutal, but it's super funny at the same time too. Like she doesn't mean it. Yeah, and again, I feel like th- we we get variations on that, you know, through the movie. Like you know, when um, Rora goes to have lunch with her and she's wearing the yellow belt that she left at Jerry's. Like you get it's it's like I guess it's almost like just give us more of that and more of Rosie and Arthur. Like, just give us all the stuff that feels meaty and none of the Aurora sleeping with Jerry. How about we just don't have that happen at all? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that that was the shift of the movie for me. I think that was like about an hour 10 or an hour 15 where the belt scene happens. Cause again, it's like, um, 
Shirley MacLaine knows exactly what to do in that when she's taking off her coat she's uh-huh. like oh it's hot in here like that like the physical comedy and just being like a total like bitch to Patsy I loved it but yeah but let's I think we need to talk about Jerry Jerry in those pants Jerry in those pants she you know it's that's just the weirdest thing because I mean they established like he's 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 got an older lady thing he's got a mommy issue you know he's got a he's got a picture of his showgirl mom and you know uh in in full yeah head, Lola yeah, and full Lola headdress and 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 panties on in his office and it just feels because then they yeah they they end up going out to dinner and they go to what is it the pork pit the pork place oh I love that yeah I mean double beans do- oh, that's <laughs> double the, when beans. she said that has always stuck with me when she says double beans I'm like good they look good Laura. though <laughs> Jesus yeah. um, I would have got like double cornbread you know exactly. what I mean exactly I would have gotten yeah double cornbread and oh what would you if you what would you get like a barbecue place like that would you let me give you four choices. Would you Ooh. get ribs? Would you get brisket? Would you get chicken? Or would you get like sausage, smoked sausage? Uh, it'd be the ribs. I yeah. gotta go with the ribs. Yeah. Like I like almost everything that you listed, but like if I when I think of barbecue, I think of yeah, like I want to get messy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though like it's like I hate getting my fingers all like if you have the proper towels there, you know what I mean? Like it like yeah. I I. Give me the wet wipes, load me up, give me like a lot of napkins, and we're good to go. And like, I want the cornbread. I, I'll take the beans. I don't want double beans, but I'll take the cornbread. What else? What like a potato salad or something? You know? Yeah, and, and or, what are your sides? Yeah, what are your sides? Well, a mac and cheese could be a side. Oh yeah, I think yes. that's probably good. I, I don't need coleslaw, but some people do. I don't know your feelings on that. I do. I mean, I love everything cabbage, so I sure. do love a coleslaw. I think coleslaw is probably, it's always a gamble. You never know what that's you're going to get. Is it going to be chopped up like KFC coleslaw, like just diced? Is it going to be, you know, I need to know what I'm getting. Yeah. Um, but I like a little pepper on it, you know? I'll eat it. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't need it to be essentially like New England clam chowder with cabbage in it. You know what I mean? Like when it comes in a <laughs> yeah, soup, exactly. it's like, this is, I, I think I prefer like a vinegar based law. You know what I mean? Like that. Oh yeah. I think I'd be down for that's, that. You know, yes. Oh, you know what I love? Oh, you know what I love is, um, like a broccoli salad, you know, with like, <gasps> yeah, oh, I love a broccoli salad. Oh my God. Oh, I don't even know if that's traditional barbecue now, side, but I love it. Yeah, now my mom makes a broccoli salad. I don't know. Is your broccoli salad is it is is it a mayo base or is it a vinegar base? I, there's mine is a mayo. It's a mayo base or like yeah. Okay, yes. There's like yes because it has in it and like yes. Craisins, oh my maybe? god, yes. Uh-huh. Maybe some craisins, some like shredded cheddar cheese. Uh-huh. I think yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm down. Oh I'm down for god, it. I love. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> um, I love broccoli salad. That's gonna be the rest of this episode. Just <laughs> thinking about broccoli salad and other sides that we're gonna have with ribs at a at a barbecue place that Ugh, we're not at right sounds now. Sounds great. Mm. I, so, yeah, back to Jerry. I I just think that none of this made sense. Like, it broke every like patient doctor. Well, he's not a doctor, right? He's a what? What did you say? He was a? I guess he's like a social, social worker. He's still, a license, like, it's still fucked up. Yeah, it's still weird. And then, like, because, they, yeah, they go to the diner, and that's when he, he sort of, like, very flirtatiously sort of says, like, well, what's, you know, she's like, well, isn't this a date? And, like, the idea that you'd want to sleep with me is preposterous. And he's like, well, what's so preposterous? And he kind of gives, like, it was, I felt something there. Um, oh, if it was then me, it kind of, I would have been like, hold the beans, Dolly, I'm out. Yes, you know? I would, <laughs> let's get some to-go boxes. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, and then she just kind of leaves because he says he likes women that have big tits and it's vulgar and she's offended. But then cut to her like breaking into his house at 2 a.m. only to like fuck on the floor. <laughs> like it was right. wild. Yeah, I thought, oh, at any age, this is not a good idea. Go upstairs. And and I feel like you could do a montage of scenes in movies of somebody waking up and going, oh, I have to fix myself so they don't see. I feel like I've seen that bit of like waking up early to do your hair and fix your makeup and brush your teeth and then laying in bed and waiting for the person. Yeah. I've seen that before a number of times. Oh, yeah. I And like, 
I don't know. It's like the age difference didn't bother me as much as just like their relationship prior to them sleeping together. I was like, right. in what world does this make sense? Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The age difference, I didn't. I was like, whatever. You know, go get get yours, Shirley. Like, he's yeah. If not you, then who? But I, yes. yeah, I was more of like, oh, he's he is a he's not just like a random dude. He's a licensed social worker. So like, technically, you know, not only is it like not you know maybe a not morally correct it's like ethically wrong so um yeah um and then like jack nicholson comes in or did we did we have anything else to say about jerry no. we love bill like honestly he was sexy as fuck i was so into him but um his character was weird yeah no he i i feel you know no fault of bills but indeed uh yeah then we get speaking of yeah of lecherous dudes we we round it out with a the trailers want you to feel like Jack Nicholson is basically like third build in this movie but he's in it for maybe I don't know five or ten minutes at most uh, yeah last 15 20 minutes yeah maybe. pops up towards the very end and you know they and and I you know I I think if the movie overall had more kind of like driving plot and tension like the idea of these characters seeing each other again is I, I felt the impact of it. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I I see how this could be really cool for them to see each other again and reconnect. And and I remember when I saw this when I was younger, I didn't fully understand. I was like, so wait, are they in love? Are they going to sleep together? What's going on? And so that was one thing I appreciated was like it's kind of nuanced how their relationship is now. Like I like that Aurora has friendships with her exes. Like we see that with Hector yeah. and we see that with – uh, Garrett and I think that's I don't know I maybe that I don't think I see enough of like an older woman who has a comfortable like friendship with like ex lovers you know all I can think of is like Sonia Morgan and Harry Dubin you know <laughs> yes exactly I mean I'm so glad you brought up Hector what a James Cromwell type you know what I mean oh my goodness I can't believe it wasn't James Cromwell yeah yeah I was now it would be yeah it would be now yes he he, and because I was just like who is this guy I thought he was like Rosie's boyfriend and he's just kind of always around and he watches movies on her couch but yeah such an interesting he's just her friend yeah, he's a he's a guy that she met years ago and they fell in love and they broke up and now he just orbits her life. And and I think there's something I don't know, like, I, I mean, I know from my own experience and I know a lot of other gay men who have that experience of like, yeah, your exes and your like past hookups and whatever, like they just become friends and characters in your life. And like it just it you kind of you do forget that at one point you were, like, naked together. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, wow, yeah, you're just this, like, familiar energy in my life. And I, you know, I just, yeah, it's it's unique to see, you know, an older woman in her 60s have that in a movie. So I'm going to give that to the Evening Star. Yeah, I'll give it to, what is his name? Donald Moffat. Donald Moffat. He has, let's see, I think he got nominated for an Oscar for something. Um, no way. Nope. In 1998, he was nominated for a Gemini Award for The Ooh. Sleep Room. You love that movie. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I do like sleep. You and do I do like sleep. being in my room. So, yeah. Oh, my God. You're going to lose your mind. This movie is three hours and 13 minutes. Oh, forget it. <laughs> Let's just no see who thanks. else is in it. Let's just make sure. There might be someone you love in it. I don't recognize any of these names, so unfortunately, we will not be doing The Sleep Room as a future episode. (laughs) Not today or ever. Yeah, hitting the snooze button on The Sleep Room. There we go. There it is. Um, I do love the way it's it makes the way that Jack Nicholson saunters into this movie makes me feel like he didn't even look at the script and they're like, okay, Shirley's in the back, just go ahead and just riff. Because honestly, like there is something really refreshing and like their chemistry is great. Like the way that she reacts even when she sees him is genuine excitement. I don't know why, you know, I wouldn't you know, we expect nothing less of Shirley McLean, but it just felt right to see them together i love the way he says still a bitch to her at the diner like Uh i just it seemed like conversation and like his lines are terrible but he's making it work oh i mean 
it it was in every trailer and every commercial. It felt like such a '90s joke of him saying, "Not that many more shopping days till Christmas." <laughs> like it was such a like. Ooh, then he has this ooh. ooh at the end. Yeah, that ooh. <laughs> and I just felt like when I was a kid, I just felt like, oh, that's like that's a joke that like adults would laugh at. Like that's a yeah, you yes. know, that's an expression of sorts. Like it just spoiler alert. I didn't laugh. Yeah, didn't laugh once. <laughs> I did write it down though. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote didn't it. Didn't laugh once. Didn't laugh once, but I did write it down as like, uh, you know, um, a line that I remember. Yeah, and yeah, you know, and it's yeah. funny because again, the trailers and the commercials, like they're showing you the end, basically the almost the end of the movie, uh, that scene on the beach, which is everything about that scene, the the car scene on the beach is so nineties to me. I mean, oh, what is that car that like Dodge? I don't even know. Some sort of Dodge convertible that, like, yes, I don't know, that I think, like, moms, cool moms in, like, Tampa drove in the 80s. I don't know. And they're, you know, and it's just there's something about the music and, like, the the sort of tracking cinematography. I don't know. There's something about it that just felt so over-the-top produced 90s moment we're having a moment of spreading rosie's ashes across the beach while speeding you know along the water and every time i saw that i was like all right well aurora must have her feet hooked into something because like i would oh go yeah they tumbling out of there like a throwing star you know? <laughs> yes exactly they had to strap her in yeah. i would be like i need my legs bolted starting at the knees really right you know? right i I do cry during that. I don't know why. Like, I feel mm-hmm. it's such movie montage at the Oscars. You know, it'll be like in, you know, if she hasn't already won the uh, Cecil B. DeMille Award, like, it would be in that montage. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. I, I, it's it's beautiful. I love the way that it, it reads on screen. A lot of sand, I feel, that would be. Yeah, <laughs> a lot up. of sand. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, it's a great, like, featured moment in the movie. It is. It's a beautiful moment. And I'll say this. Like, I'm, I'm poo-pooing things, and I I had tears many times during this movie, and I don't know if that's because of this movie. Could be because of the score. Could be because I'm, I stopped taking my Zoloft. I don't know. <laughs> or all three, I'm yes. I'm feeling yes. everything, baby. And... Um, <laughs> Back to the full spectrum of emotions, and so I like I'll 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 give it that. Yeah, there were some real. This was a this was a beautiful scene in the movie, but I yeah. often think about the technicalities of like, all right, but like, how is she not falling out of that car? Yeah, I would never want. I would be seated in the back seat. I think. Yeah, and with uh, the hood up, and I'd be leaning out the uh, leaning the urn out the window just so because I don't want my head to get ripped off. Uh, like the girl yes, in Hereditary, exactly. and be like, "All right, Rosie, oh, get out of here." Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's and then he leaves. It's just kind of like a, he's an in and out sort of moment, and and I mean, to kind of, I I feel like we did talk about everyone who we at least that I wanted to talk about. Did you? Did we miss anything? Well, we didn't talk about that awful child bump, but I don't want to. The only thing I want to say is for the line that has I. Again, things that have been imprinted on my brain that I don't need is I'll never not hear the 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 line. Great gumbo, Granny. I am so mad. I will never <gasps> forget Great Gumbo, Granny. I have had that in my head since I was twelve in the family room when my mom was upstairs. That's fascinating. I don't even remember it. Yeah, I don't even remember it's it. When, but I love stories it's like that. When they were having dinner outside later on, and it was about to rain. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Uh, they leave and she's like i'm just gonna let mother nature do the dishes and that always stuck with me too of like oh what a mess you know i was just gonna say help her with the dishes yeah i was like this is crazy that you're all just leaving i, I expect that out of that other son teddy right right um but and he's fine we don't need to talk about him really, oh but, uh, yeah he has that awful girlfriend oh but at this yeah. point tommy's seeing that nice new girlfriend that eventually becomes his wife and uh you know in my mind they would have helped pick up but yeah yeah, yeah. So uh, that's 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 what happened. That's, that's the evening star. That's the folks. evening star. That's it. Um, still a bitch. <laughs> yeah, still a bitch. And that is actually the music from the evening oh, star. Right on cue. Right on cue. And I'm welling up. I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, Melanie. So Melanie, Melanie, where can folks find more of you? 
Uh, they can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. How about you? Well, you can find more of me on my other two podcasts, In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance, or Best Supporting Podcast, which is the one I'm on right now, or All Right, Mary, uh, where we're currently wrapping up Season 14, and then we've got a really interesting next few weeks before All-Stars 7, the winter season, begins. Uh, But in the meantime, if you want even more, you can join me on Patreon for that, where we're covering Drag Race España Season 2. And you can find me on Instagram at ColinTrucker underscore. But more importantly, you can find both of us on Instagram in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And uh, keep your peepers peeled, folks, because there is, as per usual, a best supporting after show exclusively on Patreon, which is available at patreon.com slash Pod where we will be continuing the conversation, checking in on some best supporting assignments and BSAs of the week, and there might be other things there that you might want to hear. And so I feel like you might want to (laughs) subscribe. Yes, please join us. (laughs) And that, as they say, is that.